What is up, guys? It is Quinn here, back with another fantasy football video. Over the next few days, I'm going to be going through my fantasy football rankings. So we'll go through each position, running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, and then I'll do some overall rankings also. In today's video, we're going to be focusing on the running backs. And I think the last video I did, I did the top 24 running backs. Today, we're going all the way up to 36. So basically like your running back ones, all the way through your RB3s. So we're kind of just going to fire these off. You know, I'm not going to talk super in depth about every player because then we'd be here like two, three hours. So I'll just kind of focus in on maybe a few players. I actually am going to talk about where I have these players compared to consensus. So I'll probably just talk about the ones where I'm either much higher or much lower on them, you know, because the other players, if I'm locked in with consensus, you probably have a pretty good idea, you know, and I kind of agree with the general public. So that's kind of how we're going to run through this. If you're enjoying the video, do me a huge favor, hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. And then I want to know your thoughts down below in the comment section. Let me know if you have a player, you know, higher or lower. Let me know your reasoning and I'll make sure to get back to you. But let's jump into the, I guess, top 12 first. Starting off at number one, I have Christian McCaffrey. You know, if you go Jonathan Taylor here, I don't hate it. For me, I just know CMC is the highest ceiling player. You know, I'm not buying into this fact that he's done his body's done, he's injury prone. I think, you know, the odds of him getting injured aren't significantly higher compared to the other running backs up here. So I'm going to be buying in on the best overall fantasy player. Number two, Jonathan Taylor. Like I just said, wouldn't fault you if you picked him at number one. Then I feel like we kind of have a little bit of a tier here. And I think you could throw four players in here. is Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, and Najee Harris. The way I see it is I take that tier of four, and I split it into two. So I have Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook at the top of that tier. I just feel like I know exactly what I'm going to be getting out of these players. We're going to be getting a really solid workload. Derrick Henry is going to be the focal point of his offense for Dalvin Cook. We know he's going to have super solid rushing volume. He may also have some new receiving upside this season, which is why I like him here at number four. And then the second half of that tier, Austin Eckler and Najee Harris. I am a little bit lower on Eckler than consensus. I've talked about this in a bunch of videos. For me, like I'm not down on him. Like He's still my RB5. I do have some concerns that he has kind of maxed out his fantasy potential. What I mean by that was last year, he was a three-down back. The dude scored 20 touchdowns. Now they bring in Isaiah Spiller. Obviously, they didn't spend like insane draft capital on the guy, but I would not be surprised if Eckler loses some early down opportunities and potentially goal line work. And I feel like people aren't really considering like, if Eckler loses goal line work, that really caps his ceiling because you're looking at a guy who scored 20 touchdowns last year. If he's losing out on goal line opportunities, you know, he has a solid touchdown season. You're looking at 13, 14 touchdowns. For that to be the peak, I do think that's a little bit concerning. Obviously, up here, I'm nitpicking because he's still my RB5, but that's just why I'm a little bit lower on him, you know, than most people in the fantasy community. Number six, Najee Harris, right on track with ADP. Same thing with Joe Mixon and DeAndre Swift here at 7 and 8. Oh, also, I don't think I mentioned at the top, this is like half point PPR ranking. You know, nice balance between standard and PPR scoring. So it's going to be like half point PPR for these rankings. Then at number 9, I actually have Saquon Barkley. He has definitely kind of shot up my rankings. And the more I was looking at Saquon, you know, I really like the players behind him like Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones. I just think Saquon Barkley has that ceiling where you know, you're drafting him as like a 2-3 turn guy. He is one of the best running backs in the NFL when he's healthy. 
He has elite receiving upside. And I just think the signs are very solid for him heading into 2022. He's going to be the workhorse of this offense. They've talked about using him in the slot. You know, this Giants offense is probably not going to be good, but they're at least healthy going into the season. You know, they were brutalized with injuries last year. Saquon is healthy heading into 2022. He's not coming off the ACL. So I don't actually think he's going to be drafted as the RB9, but that is where he is in my rankings. But I do kind of have this pocket of Saquon, Fournette, and Aaron Jones. I feel like they're all super close together. Leonard Fournette at number 10. I actually just talked about Saquon and Leonard Fournette in my must-draft running back video. I believe that was two days ago, so go check that out. At 11, I have Aaron Jones. It says here I'm two spots lower on him than consensus. For me, like maybe I'm, you know, have him as my RB11. Others have him as their RB9, but I still have him as like a mid-second round value. So in terms of like overall player rankings, I'm definitely more in line with consensus on Aaron Jones. Then number 12, another running back I talked about in that must-draft video. I have James Conner. I just think he has an elite ceiling this season. It's not really being accounted for in, you know, his ADP. Because a guy who could have a three-down workload on a really strong offense should not be going like mid to late third round, which is where we're seeing James Conner selected. All right, now on to the next 12. So number 13 through number 24. Just going to be a few players in a row that I'm a little bit lower on. So starting off here at number 13, it is Nick Chubb. I feel like Nick Chubb is a very polarizing player. Some people kind of understand he's like a high floor, low ceiling type of play. Other people will go to war for Nick Chubb. And this is not like a real life running back rankings. I think, you know, Nick Chubb is a very strong running back, arguably the best pure runner in the NFL. But for fantasy football, I know people love him. And if you're someone who wants to draft a safe option, Nick Chubb is definitely that guy. But if we're looking at Nick Chubb's ceiling as like a low end, you know, RB1, high end RB2, his ceiling is probably like a mid tier running back one. But if he doesn't have a ceiling of a high-end running back one, like I just feel like that is not in the range of outcomes, then I just can't really rationalize putting him ahead of guys like Saquon, Fournette, Aaron Jones, even James Conner, who could, you know, play a receiving role for the Cardinals. So that's why he's here at 13. At number 14, I have Javante Williams, much lower on Williams than consensus. Kind of a similar reason to Chubb here. Without a Melvin Gordon injury, I don't see Javante Williams being a high-end wide receiver one. I think he's a very talented running back, but I think he may just have to wait one more season before we're viewing him as like a mid to high-end running back one option. So I can't pick Javante Williams over locked-in studs like Lenny, Saquon, and Aaron Jones. Number 15, I have Alvin Kamara. He's kind of just a tough guy to rank because we still do not know what's going on with his suspension. We were here in maybe like six games. And then you're in this weird dilemma of where, if, you know, Kamara wasn't suspended at all. Then you're looking at him probably like RB3, RB4, RB5, RB6, somewhere in that tier with Henry, uh, Cook, Najee, and Eckler. He'd be somewhere in there. Now you're missing six games. That's a big chunk of the season. You also have the add-in wrinkle of like, if he's missing time, do they make a move for a running back? Do they kind of crowd that room a little bit when he's back? So a few things to think about. But I still think he's like a mid to high end running back one when he is on the field. So if you're taking him back into the third round, I don't think that's terrible value. But I'm no longer taking him like in the second round, which is where he's been going on some platforms. Then back to back at 16 and 17, I have Brees Hall and Travis Etienne. 
very, very high on these guys. You're going to see, you know, these dead zone running backs. I want to target the young players with a lot of upside. You're going to see I have ETN and Hall ranked over guys like Zeke, Akers, and I'm not even low on Zeke. Like I think I'm, you know, decently in on Zeke this year, but I just like, you know, those dart throws and they're not even really dart throws because I think, you know, they're high draft capital guys. They're going to have a role, but they also just have that potential of being the workhorses in their offense, which is going to lead to some massive fantasy production. So after Hall and ETN, I go with Ezekiel Elliott at 18. He definitely has some red flags as like a dead zone guy. You know, one of these veteran running backs, his efficiency just continues to fall. He is a running back behind him who was one of the best running backs on like a per touch basis last season. So the red flags are there, but there are also plenty of green flags. He's going to be on a strong offense. I think both Zeke and Pollard are going to be very involved in the receiving game. You know, you lose uh, Mari Cooper, Gallup's coming off the ACL. These guys are both solid pass catchers. You also have Zeke just on that contract. So if you're paying him that money, it's very likely they are going to be using him heavily. And then also last year when he was struggling down the stretch, he had like a torn, I think it was a PCL. I've talked about this before. Something was wrong in his knee. He was playing through the injury, which obviously led to, you know, less efficiency and worse production. 19, we have Cam Akers. Cam Akers is a really tough guy to evaluate here because here at number like 19 at the running back position, he's someone where if you told me he finished as a mid-tier RB1, I wouldn't be shocked. If you told me he finished as the RB40, I also wouldn't really be surprised. The problem is we just don't really know if Cam Akers is like still good at football. You know, here's the thing. Going into 2021, his ADP was pushed up. He was like a guy going at the one-two turn. This was because he had this crazy high projected workload. So it made sense that he was going that high. He had a few, you know, solid games at the back end of 2020, which led us to believe he was going to be the workhorse. I think he was going to be a super successful NFL running back. Then he tears his Achilles, comes back in like record time, and then is just like terrible in the playoffs, super inefficient, whatever. Like he came back super early, so you can't expect a ton out of him. But we're in this spot where it's like, we don't know if he's back. Like the success rate of guys coming off of Achilles are really, really like low. It does not happen often. Like one of the best success stories of an Achilles tear at the running back position is Deontay Foreman, who we saw last year on the uh, Titans. And it's like, if that's like best case scenario, doesn't seem great for Cam Akers. So I'm worried he could go into this Rams running back room. He hasn't separated himself as the guy. And this could just become a committee or he kind of just phases out to like Daryl Henderson. But there's also the chance that he is the outlier. You know, he's a freak athlete, comes back and is the guy. And then you're getting a value here. So I'll probably have, you know, a share or two, but he's not someone I'm overly invested in especially just because I'm trying to attack running backs early and then kind of fade them in rounds four, five, six, because I just think that's kind of how the value lines up. After Akers, I have Josh Jacobs here. If I was going to take like one of these veteran guys, I feel like Josh Jacobs isn't the worst bet. He's in this spot here with the Raiders where there's definitely some uncertainty because you have a new coaching staff. He has a little bit of competition in that backfield, but then you're also in a spot where it's like, if they deem him to be the best running back and they use him as a three down guy in an offense that's much improved with Devontae Adams coming in, like he could turn out to be a really successful fantasy football pick. I just think the range of outcomes here is pretty wide. So he's someone that like, I just think is like a mid-tier running back too, 
mid to back end RB2 option. So don't really hate him. Don't really love him either. You know, not overly targeting him and not overly fading him. Then at 21, I have J.K. Dobbins. Been in the news recently. You know, he thinks he's going to be back week one. I honestly was never overly concerned about the ACL. It's obviously good that he thinks uh, he's back on track. For me, the problem with J.K. Dobbins is he just has no ceiling. We know he's going to be efficient on the ground. He's going to have touchdown upside, but he is a zero in the receiving department, and that's just not going to give you a high ceiling. So he's kind of like your budget uh, Nick Chubb in that sense and you know how they're scoring their fantasy points. At 22, I have David Montgomery, five spots lower on Montgomery than consensus. I'm just not really seeing it here with Monty. I kind of feel like he's already reached his peak as a fantasy running back. You look back to last year, I just don't really see how he improves on that number. This Bears situation is not great. You know, this offensive line is not good. The offense isn't going to be high scoring. And so he needs to keep his very, very high workload to kind of live up to expectations here. I just think some of these other veterans like Zeke, Akers, I don't know if Akers is a veteran, but like Josh Jacobs, Dobbins, these other players, I just think they come with some more upside than Montgomery, where I feel like his ceiling is like a high-end running back two. And then if he's not really hitting that, he's kind of a replaceable option in your lineup. So if he's going like third, fourth round, I feel like I'm pretty out on him. 23, Elijah Mitchell, he seems to be sliding in at this like RB2, three turn for everyone. So pretty on par there. AJ Dillon here at 24, kind of like a super powered handcuff. He's going to be, you know, a flex option on a week to week basis. Baron Jones somehow goes down. Dillon's value just becomes absurd. And then same thing with Tony Pollard here at 25. So I don't really understand why there's such a difference between AJ Dillon and Tony Pollard. Like I'm actually six spots higher on Pollard than consensus. For me, I think they're in pretty similar situations. If not, Tony Pollard may have the more like carved out role and potential just because the running back in front of him is arguably like maybe not even as good as him. Like we can make an argument that Pollard is better than Zeke. I don't think many people are going to argue that AJ Dillon is better than Aaron Jones. So that's why I'm not really understanding like the difference in price between these two players. So I do have Pollard at 25, very high on him, very low on Antonio Gibson. You may be wondering why I have Antonio Gibson below guys like Pollard and Dillon, who, you know, aren't locked in starters. And the thing is like, just regular, you know, week one of the NFL season in terms of like week to week rankings, I'll probably have Antonio Gibson ranked higher than a guy like Pollard or Dylan because he is like the main guy, not the clear main guy. But the thing is for me, I just feel like Gibson's ceiling is so, so capped. Last year he was dealing with JD McKissick. Now he's dealing with McKissick and Brian Robinson. And I know people really want to believe in Antonio Gibson. And I'm someone who was a big fan of him. I guess I still am a fan, you know, not buying him in fantasy this year, but Washington has done absolutely nothing to tell us that Gibson is their guy. You have uh, JD McKissick, who's going to sign with the Bills, like the Washington, like begs him to come back. They re-sign him. Then, you know, not only is he back in that committee, they spend third round draft capital. This is not a good team. They spend third round draft capital to draft Brian Robinson to potentially be like an early down goal line player. So I'm so, so out on Gibson here. And then after Gibson, I feel like a lot of these players are pretty in line with consensus. CEH at 27, 28, Miles Sanders, 
in line with him also. Same thing with Kareem Hunt, Devin Singletary. And then I have Damian Harris here at 31, a few spots lower on Harris, kind of just a guy who lacks ceiling. If you're looking at uh, J.K. Dobbins as a budget version of Nick Chubb, I think Damian Harris is a budget version of J.K. Dobbins. He's going to be in a decent offense, but this Patriots backfield is just always so tough to navigate. And so I would rather pass on Harris and then just kind of play the waiver wire with these other guys. Ramondre Stevenson will probably be drafted, but there's always going to be opportunities throughout the year where like Harris gets benched because he fumbles, Stevenson is injured, and then there's like a top waiver wire pickup for the Patriots. So I'd rather go that route instead of like drafting this guy and then him having to be like a flex play at best. Number 32, Melvin Gordon. I kind of view Melvin Gordon as like the budget Pollard and A.J. Dillon because Melvin Gordon is still a very solid running back. Obviously, he has Javante Williams ahead of him, but he's going to be involved on a week-to-week basis. Really strong season last year, split in touches, and this is a much improved offense. So if something did happen to Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon just like skyrockets to like a back-end RB1, high-end RB2, and he's still a player who I think can have flex value on a week-to-week basis. I have Chase Edmonds here at 33, pretty in line with consensus. We just don't really know what his role is going to be like with the Dolphins. Probably worst-case scenario, he's like a receiving back. Best case, he's, you know, the lead back in a, you know, decent committee. I have Patterson at 34. And then we've actually had some recent reports come out about the Seattle Seahawks backfield. I have Penny and Walker back-to-back here at 35 and 36. I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen that report about like the beat writer saying that he expects Penny to have like 20 uh, carries a game. To me, that seems crazy here. I'm not really overly in on any of these guys just because I think everything about this Seattle Seahawks offense is gross. You know, I think they're going to want to be run heavy, but like this team is going to be trailing in a lot of games. You have a bad quarterback situation. Offensive line is not spectacular. So I feel like it's just going to be a lot of inefficient rushing opportunities. And you have two fairly talented running backs. So I feel like this is just going to be a situation where one week Penny does well. Next week, Walker's getting the carries. I don't feel like Penny's going to be locked in. Plus, we know Penny has had the injury history, whatever. Like, I'm just not overly in on either of these guys. So I guess I take whatever player is kind of falling. So that's probably Kenneth Walker now. You know, Rashad Penny may have the job early on in the season, but then I expect kind of Walker to eat into that. Because, I mean, they spent legit draft capital on him. They want him to be the running back of the future. So I have those two guys, 35-36. So that is going to wrap it up for my top 36 running backs. Let me know what you guys thought about this down below in the comment section. And then also stay tuned over the next few days of top 36 wide receivers, probably top, say, 18 tight ends and quarterbacks, and all of my overall rankings. So thank you all for stopping by, and I'll see you in the next one.